Hello, and welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast from Harrodsburg Baptist Church, where we're all about sharing our journey toward Jesus. Before we hear from Dr. Paul Gibson, we'd like to invite you to take that journey with us. To find out more, follow us on social media at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you very soon. Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I am Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston, and with me today is Dr. Paul Gibson, lead pastor. Uh, and we are continuing in our sermon series called Ecclesia uh, about the church. And uh, today we're looking from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 44. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. And today we're going to be looking at the beauty of discipleship. Uh, So Paul, maybe for those who uh, have missed a couple of weeks, or um, just to, to catch people up on where we are in the history of the church in Acts here, what what are we coming out of by the time we get to verse 42? Well, first off, I've got big shoes to fill because you preached last week on the beauty of worship. Uh, excellent job. We also celebrated Camp Sunday. Uh, so I say that uh, somewhat being funny, but at the same time being serious because you did a good job last week. The week before that, uh, we launched the series by talking about the beauty of conversion and there's an underlying uh, purpose as to why we're doing the sermon series, and that is because we're introducing uh, or reintroducing uh, people to our shared steps on our journey towards Jesus. So the first step is conversion. Uh, obviously, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to uh, make a decision to follow him. You have to be converted into one of his disciples, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But once you're converted, you should want to worship because you see the beauty and the grandeur of God and more specifically how uh, this, uh, the amazing supernatural, uh, I mean, so many adjectives could go before uh, describing God, like he took on flesh and became one of us so that he could die for us. That should move us to worship, as as you talked about so well last week and you emphasized how Worship is not just a, a weekend thing or a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. So, you know, conversion should move us to worship. And as we're worshiping the Lord and as we're falling in love with the Lord, it should make us want to get to know him more, which which leads us to the next step of discipleship. So conversion, worship, discipleship. And today we're going to be talking about discipleship. And where we are in the history of the church is the church has just been birthed. Uh, Two weeks ago when I talked about um, Acts chapter 2, at the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, how the Holy Spirit fell uh, on the believers and how from that Peter preached uh, his first message and the church was birthed out of that sermon. So we are at the very beginning of the church and it's such an exciting time to study both from a scriptural standpoint and from a historical standpoint because... uh, as we're going to look at in just a few moments, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and because they studied the word of the Lord, which at that time was the Old Testament, and I'm getting way <laughs> ahead here, sorry folks, um, 
the, the number of the church continued to grow. Uh, so we're here today to talk about discipleship. We're looking at these verses that you just read, and it's important for us to remember that the church has just been freshly birthed. Yeah, uh, you know, verse 41, 3,000 people added. Um, imagine that discipleship task, trying to figure out where to put 3,000 people. <laughs> well, but here's what's so beautiful about it. I think sometimes we make it more complicated or we've made it more complicated by the way we live our lives. Like for the past 100 years, the church model has been come to a building where we're going to put you in classrooms. That worked for a season. Um, I don't think it's as effective now as it used to be. You know, now we have terms like small groups and community groups and home groups. And I actually think that last um, title, home group, is what gets at what the first church was. So 3,000 were added to their number. They were still going to the temple to worship, but the uh, ethos, the culture of the church existed in local homes. And for them, it wasn't like, oh man, here's 3,000. How do we divide them into the proper small groups? It was just, hey, everybody go to your house and be Jesus followers. Yeah, yeah. And and that relational aspect um, is what you see in Acts. And, and I know that's where you're bound to be going with it. But what... Why does that work? Why does that work so well? Why does it work um, to do it that way? Like there, you said, there was a season where it worked to, to do classrooms in a, in a setting, but why do you think it works to do it the way the early church does in Acts? So when I was studying this passage, um, I, I, I started with this, this specific passage of Scripture, and then um, using the software that I use, uh, which is Logos, and by the way, quick plug, we don't get paid to say this, but... Uh, logo software is free. The initial version is free. Great software. If you really want to study scripture and go deeper in your love for the Lord and his word, I suggest you get that. So studying this morning, Logos, and one of the things that jumped out at me, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were doing all this together. And as I was studying, it occurred to me what they were doing together was replicating what Jesus did with them. Mm -hmm. And that took me to Mark chapter 1. And I want to read uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 16. Uh, and, and when I was looking at what does it mean to be a disciple, um, some of the commentaries I was looking at actually said that the, the more proper term, the, the Greek term for disciple is mathetis. I think I probably messed up the way to say that. But there's another Greek term, uh, that's more appropriate when it comes to uh, describing what it means to follow Jesus and, and what that term is. And again, I will probably uh, get this incorrect, but what that term is, it's the term. Uh, let me see here if I can enunciate it. It's a um, uh, theme and it's A-K-O-L-O-U-T-H-E-I-N. And it literally means to walk behind, to follow. So now we go over to Mark chapter one with with the understanding that what the first church was doing in Acts chapter 2, they were just replicating what Jesus did with them. What did Jesus do with them? Mark chapter 1, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Well, what do you see there? Jesus' call was to follow him. And, and, and I was convicted studying today. I, for me, I've, I've used, um, 
as synonyms discipleship and Bible study. But once I started digging into what does it really mean to be a disciple, yes, studying God's Word is a significant part of that. We saw the first church was doing that. But at the heart of being a disciple was following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, here, here's an example of, of what it means to be a disciple. It, it, you, you literally live literally live life with the person who is your teacher. That's the model that, that Jesus used with his disciples. They literally lived life with him. They saw him meet. They saw him interact with people. They, you know, they knew Jesus' habits before bedtime because they were with him constantly. And, and here's an example. Like, there's a big difference between the Ph.D. model in the United States and the Ph.D. model in Europe. The Ph.D. model in the United States is more of a classroom format. You have a couple of mentors. Well, the Ph.D. model over in Europe, specifically in England, is you have one mentor that you work with and you kind of follow over the life of your doctorate in order to just soak up their knowledge. And it's knowledge not just spoken, but it's knowledge lived. And, and so ironically, in England, the Ph.D. model is, is, is a good example of, of kind of the schooling of following Jesus that the disciples had. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They saw Jesus. Um, and, and, and again, getting way ahead of te- the text here, <laughs> if you go from Mark chapter 1, when Jesus uh, told Peter, Simon, come follow me, if you go to the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection, what were, um, what were those two uh, individuals doing? They were walking with Jesus. And I think that when Jesus prayed a prayer over the meal with these two individuals, I think their eyes opened and they realized we were right back where we were in the beginning with Jesus, walking with him, talking with him, and, and being, uh, being his disciple, living life with him. So one word that I encourage us to wrestle with if we think about being a disciple of Jesus, if we think about discipleship, that word is follow. Mm-hmm. We are to be followers of Jesus. And if we are going to take that next step on our journey towards Jesus from worship to discipleship, that means we are to follow Jesus. And here's where scripture comes into this. That means we are to read about Jesus. That means we are to, uh, you know, actually put into uh, uh, action what he says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Greater love has no man than this than he laid down uh, his life for his friends. What Jesus is teach, what Jesus is, I can't talk today, what Jesus taught, that's what we're supposed to do. Mm. Because if he were here in flesh and we were walking with him and talking with him and following him, again, there's that key word follow, that's what we would be hearing. And, and, and then that's what we would be challenged to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when you were talking about the following, uh, it, it brought to mind kind of the, the medieval period in, in Europe, you think about the apprenticeship mm-hmm. that, that young boys would go live with some skilled craftsman mm-hmm. and learn that trade. Yeah. Like you said, day in, day out, seeing how they do life. Yeah. And, and that was how they learned um, rather than a classroom setting. So yeah. it was a really good, interesting take on, on discipleship. Um, so how then, given that we live in the culture we're in, um, which has more of, of the background of this classroom approach. How then do we get, as as believers, how do I get to um, that model of discipleship and, and kind of reprogram my brain? That is uh, a great question. So I think we have to go back uh, to the passage of Acts chapter 2 because uh, the Lord in his infinite wisdom 
gave us the blueprint. So as you said earlier, the church was birthed, 3,000 people were added to their numbers that day, and then immediately we see they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And again, the key here is they did it together. Mm -hmm. So how do we apply follow me discipleship uh, in, in today's world? We got to do it together. And, and, and that's why the classroom model worked for so long in the, in the, in the uh, Western churches, because those people were showing up and they were doing it together. They may study the word of, they may have studied the word of God in a classroom, but then they would have cookouts or hangouts at, at homes. They were doing it together. And I think what's unfortunate about the American church right now is so many confessing Christ followers are so spread out and so busy that they've lost the focus of being disciples together. They've lost the focus of following Jesus together. And what that means, Jonathan, is yes, you are to come to worship. You know, yes, you are to be in a Bible study. But that also means that if if your son and my son play soccer together, then we are we are being together as Christ followers, hopefully living in such a way because we're following him, we're being his disciples to where we're being a light to the world. And hopefully as we realize that we're called to walk this uh, discipleship journey together, uh, we realize that we're supposed to do that no matter where we are, whether it's in a church building, whether it's at a soccer field, whether it's uh, in a home. So I think we have to wrap our mind around that Part of the culture of being the church is living life together. And that's what the first church did so well. Um, jumping down to something that uh, we're going to talk about um, in the next two weeks, verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day, every day they were together. And I think we overcomplicate church with a with with a business model, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate that model because that's that's why you and I right. are where we right. are. But if the local church can just get back to realizing there is an organic, natural calling to be lovers of Jesus together, I think that's when our world will see a, a Christianity that's more attractive um, and more appealing. Yeah, a, b- a big word that stood out to me when you were talking through that was in verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves because mm-hmm. you, you contrasted that almost by saying, you know, in, in today's world, so many of us as confessing Christians were so busy mm-hmm. and I don't think these believers were any less busy, mm-hmm. but when I read that word devoted, mm-hmm. it, it was priority. And, and I think that's where you're talking about our togetherness needs to be, yeah. if, if we want to see this day again where the church looks like this, then we have to each individually prioritize being together for the purpose of, of glorifying God. So what did Jesus say to those that uh, were going to follow him? Uh, let me read it in Mark eight thirty four. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Again, there's that call to follow. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. If we're going to be devoted to Jesus, we got to lose some things. And that's hard, especially when we are in a culture that so many of us get our definition of who we are by things. I mean, to be blunt, like 
if God were to wake me up in the middle of the night tomorrow night and say, or, or tonight and say, hey, you're done with Disney, that would be painful. And, and, I'm, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm also being serious uh, because my family loves going to Disney World and we love all things, Di- all things Disney. And if you're listening today, it might not be Disney for you. It might be um, athletics. It might be you're pursuing a career. It might be somebody you're dating that you know is, is not in line with, with loving Jesus. And, but when he calls us to follow him, if we're going to be truly devoted to him, we got to be willing to count the cost. And that's what Jesus says uh, in the Gospels. Anybody that's going to follow me, they've got to count the cost. So we've got to count the cost. If we're going to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer, we got to be ready to pay the cost of giving up whatever it is he calls us to give up um, in order to be his follower. Now, to be more specific, you may be listening and you may be thinking, oh, man, I don't want God to call me to, to give up anything right now. I like what I'm doing. <laughs> I think it starts with five minutes. It starts with giving up five minutes of your day, whether it be five minutes of sleep, whether it be five minutes on Instagram or TikTok or, you know, whether it be five minutes of watching TV and get a simple devotional, my utmost for his highest. You may not even know how to use a devotional. That's fine. But just get a simple devotional, open it up, start reading it, set a timer for five minutes. Just say, okay, God, if you want to talk to me right now, show up. And, and so if you're listening and you're thinking, well, what do I need to give up to follow Jesus? Just start with five minutes. Every day, show up. Be devoted to him by carving out that time and, and let him speak to you the way he wants to. Yeah. Um, so continuing on like with, with the text, um, we've talked about they, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, the breaking of bread to prayer. Prayer obviously is important. Um, and I think it's interesting after that is when, when it says many wonders and signs were being performed. So it's like God moved after his people got together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot of time today I've heard you say that word together. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about sharing our journey. So mm-hmm. obviously that sharing component. How, how important do you think that is for believers in, in the world we're in today to be together um, in this sense of, of working towards a common goal? So the first verse that comes to mind when I hear you ask that question is, therefore, encourage one another um, and pray for one another as you are also doing. But I think that's First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 517. Uh, why did Paul tell us to do that? Why did he tell us to encourage one another and lift each other up? That's because Paul knew with his eyes wide open how difficult it was going to be. And we're talking first century, how difficult it was going to be a con- to be a confessing Christ follower in that upside down world. Well, here we are again, I think, um, in a new day and age where it's becoming more and more difficult to be a confessing Christ follower because there are so many opinions, so many ideas, so many different trains of thought about masks, about viruses, about political parties, about candidates, about social media. I mean, our society, it appears like, is uh, it appears is unraveling at its seams. And here we are called as Christ followers to toe the line 
And regardless of political party or masking or virus or social media or whatever, we're called to follow him. And following him means that we're going to find ourselves often more alone than in the in crowd. Because I think following Jesus separates us from the squabble. It separates us from taking sides because we're called to love all people. We're called to be above the conflict, not not separated from it, but above it, because whether we're Republican or Democrat, we're called to love both. Uh, you know, whether um, somebody chooses to wear a mask or they choose not to wear a mask, we're called to love both. Whether somebody chooses to get the vaccine or chooses not to get the vaccine, we're called to love both. And that's hard. Um, I, I had a conversation with a family uh, earlier this week, and this is not a this is not to shame people that that are that would have preferred not to to have worn masks. This is not to shame them, but I'll tell you a story. I'm talking to a family earlier this week, uh, and they told their children, hey, you need to be prepared uh, to wear a mask once school starts. And that was before, if you're listening and you're in Kentucky, that was before the uh, governor of Kentucky mandated mask wearing. And um, and, and I'm going to tie this in to where I'm going. And, and the children started crying. And, you know, they're like, Mommy and Daddy, we don't want to be the only ones wearing masks. And the way this was conveyed to me was really powerful. Um, the parents stilled their children, looked at them and said, you've got to be strong enough to be different. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's not a that's not a um, I'm not fussing at people that aren't wearing masks. Please don't hear that. It's just those strong words. You've got to be strong enough to be different. And if you go back to First Thessalonians five seventeen, or if you go back to this idea of everyone being together, when we realize that we're not alone in the fight, when we realize that there are other brothers and sisters standing up for Jesus, towing the line, following him, we get uh, comfort in that. We get hope in that. We, we're encouraged because we know that our brothers and sisters are journeying with us. We know our brothers and sisters are fighting with us. We know our brothers and sisters are praying for us uh, as we are different in this world. Probably uh, probably the last question I'll ask, but let's say you're let's say you're listening to this, you're a believer and you you're you're hearing this uh, idea that we got to rework our, our mind frame around discipleship. And you say, all right, how how then uh, can I be a better discipler? Mm-hmm. Like how, how can I, how can I help the, the church and, and today's Christian world move towards this yeah. day of, of kind of a, not new idea, but a return back to Acts. Yeah. Be like Jesus. And what Jesus did so well was he took 12 and even out of that 12 that he invested time in, he invested time in three. So he really spent a lot of time with three out of the 12, pouring into them, discipling them as they followed him. Um, so it, that's, that's our model. If we want to disciple others, if we want to pour into them as Jesus poured into when he was on this earth, his disciples, we've got to spend time with them. You know, discipleship is a slow journey when it's done right. And, and you know, and, and I'll, one of the things I've been impressed, many things I'm impressed about by you, but one of the things that a lot of church members don't know is, you know, there are people that you meet with individually every week and you're pouring into them and it's a slow 
process. But you are a good disciple maker because you're living your life with them. And if we're going to be good disciple makers, it's going to be a slow process. You know, um, I, there are days when it's been a long day. I pick up my children from school. All I want to do is tell them to get on their devices and I want to turn the radio up and check out. Yeah. But that is a perfect opportunity because I am with them with, I mean, again, presence. Jesus was present. I've got that time when they're with me to be a disciple maker because we're together. There's that key word again. Mm -hmm. So I think if, if we want to be better disciple makers, we've got to be willing to find one or two people that we're willing to pour into and spend time with them mm -hmm. and understand it's going to be a slow process and understand that there may be times that they're going to do dumb things and they're going to get on your nerves and you're going to ask, why am I doing this? But we have to, uh, especially if you're an older believer, you've got to get more involved with younger believers and give them your wisdom and, and, and spend time with them and pour into them and do like Jesus. Let your presence and your time and your wisdom do the disciple making. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about uh, what Paul said when he said, you know, follow me as I follow exactly. Christ. Uh, and so there's a humility in leading that way and discipling uh, because as much as who we're discipling is going to mess up, we're going to mess up as well. Yeah. And so uh, there's a humility in that to tell somebody, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus, understanding I'm not always going to get it right either. Yeah. Um, well, as we close our time uh, on the podcast for this week, Paul, is there anything uh, that you, you want to, uh, a thought you want to leave people with as, as they uh, wrap up our time. Yeah. I said it was first Thessalonians five seventeen. I actually quoted James five sixteen. Therefore confess your sin to each, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Um, you know, and again, going back to the example about the parents with masks, please understand I'm not <laughs> advocating for masks or fussing at people that aren't wearing masks. It was just those words stuck out. You got to be strong enough to be different. Um, from an HBC standpoint, you know, we talked a lot as a staff about sharing our journey towards Jesus, and then we rolled that tagline out to the church. And the reason we rolled that tagline out to the church is because of what Scripture says. Being a disciple of Jesus means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It means to walk with Jesus, which means we got to be on a journey with Jesus. And as we're going to talk about in two weeks, when we talk about evangelism, we want to share our journey with Jesus to get more people on the journey. Mm -hmm. But what I would encourage people to hear today as we kind of close is, again, this idea of together. And, you know, my prayer for HBC is, is that it would be a church of loving Christ followers that continues to spend time together in order to replicate the Acts 2 church. And you might be listening today and not be from HBC. Same prayer for you that you would spend time together with other Christ followers replicating Acts 2 uh, so that God may be glorified. And, and you can be a good disciple. Well, uh, that's the time we have for today. Thank you again for joining us uh, on the Sharing Our Journey podcast, which again is a podcast of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Uh, you can find more about our church at harrodsburgbaptist.org uh, or by contacting us at our church office, 734-2339. Uh, we would love to talk with you about any questions you may have. So until next time, uh, go with God and, and may you be richly blessed. 
thank you for joining us for sharing our journey. If you'd like to join us for worship, we come together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Harrodsburg Baptist Church, 312 South Main Street, Harrodsburg, Kentucky. For more information, follow us on social at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. As you go, we pray that you will share your journey toward Jesus with others. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.